This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, just before we get started, I would really like to encourage you all to just stop what you're doing for a moment. Just press pause and go subscribe to this podcast if you liked our last episode, and I'm sure you're going to love this episode. Um, We would love to get as many subscribers as possible just to help us get a little boost in the rankings. And now here's the show. time, Ireland has carried a reputation for being a country that is conservative and sexually repressed. Even in 2016, we're still bombarded with those stereotypes, many of which come from our own media. I'm unsure if this is coming from a place of self-deprecating catharsis or rather the perpetuation of a centuries-old trope. However, if we look further back into pre-Christian Irish mythology and legend, and even after Christianity was brought to Ireland, there's a lot of sex. It's talked about openly and serves as many of the major plot points in some of our most famous stories. Last month at Headstuff Lectures, we learned all about this and the role of women in Irish mythology. Sadly, the show wasn't recorded, so I've asked the speaker to come talk to us about it on Our Sexual History. And today's guest is comedy human and Irish mythology enthusiast, Teresa Coyne. Welcome, Teresa. Hello. So let's let's talk about like Irish sexy and not so sexy mythology. Oh, there's so much. It's quite <laughs> filthy as far as mythology goes, because in school we learn all these stories of of leprechauns and Cúculain and Fimbicul, but nobody mentions how much riding there is. And affairs, so many affairs. It's a wonder they wouldn't teach us this in school. Yeah, funny that. I mean, they don't even teach us the basics of sex education, <laughs> never mind imaginary sex encounters. But you'd think that that would be a really good way to like roll up your sex ed into some Irish mythology so they don't have to feel like they're teaching you about sex. They're just teaching yeah. you about like history and mythology. Yeah, they're like, let's learn some stories about Queen Maeve and what a badass she is. Yeah. <laughs> So let's um let's first of all talk about you and like the you you were just telling me you just kind of got quite interested in Irish mythology quite mm. recently. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I started working in the National Leprechaun Museum, uh, which is great because as a comedian, like it pays me to have the crack with people all day long <laughs> and telling them ridiculous stories. And I love it. It's great. But when I when I started there, I actually didn't know many of our stories because I I grew up in London and I moved here when I was 10. Um, so it was all kind of new to me and I was like mm. I've heard of the salmon of knowledge but other than that I don't know <laughs> um, so but because I'm super competitive when I was seeing how how much everybody else knew I was like right let's knuckle down and get some learning done let's do a learning uh, so yeah I, I've just been kind of reading loads and loads and you you find the strangest of things in all these different books and stories and there's a lot of innuendo in it as well Um and I do love a good innuendo. So, yeah, it, it's quite a recent thing. But even as a kid, I used to love Greek and Roman mythology. But that's, it's not so much sex. It's full of, like, horrible rapiness. It's yeah. not, not, as, not as crack. I think, a lot of, I think a lot of countries' mythology, like, 
Greek mythology, full of the old rape. Yeah, it's like every story starts with, so Zeus raped this woman as an animal and uh, she had a son and he killed it. And that's pretty much every story. (laughs) (laughs) Or some variation of that theme. Uh, But no, the the, the Irish stories, there's, yeah, it's pretty badass. Yeah, so um, the reason I asked you on was because both of us were giving talks at Headstuff Lectures, which, by the way, if you guys haven't been to a Headstuff Lecture, come to the next one. They're really, really fun and just full of like hilarious, interesting stuff. I have um, learned so much from those. Oh my gosh, I know, right? Yeah. The one that we did was just like so full of like Kieran's one about the the last sort of Victorian um, failed like expedition to Africa. Yeah, it was, was just a load of rich lads like on tour. Yeah, rich white lads doing what rich white lads do. Um, anyway, your talk was on like sex and Irish mythology mm-hmm. and um, and I just found that so fascinating because like a year ago I wanted to like I wanted to do a podcast about like sexy Irish mythology and I couldn't find anything. Yeah. Um, so it was just so great to like see your talk and I'm like, oh, this is my girl. I need, I need her to like come on the show and talk to me. So, um, so the title of your talk was Finn Not So McCool. So let's talk about Finn McCool and why he was like the anti-cool. Yeah, because he is regarded as one of our greatest heroes, but he's actually not that sound. He's actually a bit of a prick, really. And I know that's like that's a risky thing to say, having a, a very English accent, but I can back it up. There's so many different stories where... He, he had a he had a rough start in life. He didn't have the nicest of childhoods, but in my view, with the salmon knowledge, which I think most Irish people will know, they'll have grown up with it. I think he just stole the salmon, and there's lots of things where he lets people die or he tries to avenge deaths, but does it for his own benefit. Uh, but one of the main things that I, I talked about that night uh, at the Headstuff Lectures was one of his wives, Sive. Uh, now he met her uh, while he was out hunting, but she was in the form of a deer. And when he took her back to to the the Fina fort, um, she apparently turned into a beautiful woman. I yeah. I, I don't know if I buy that. Oh, but you know, Ephemacool, the great hero, says so. Uh, it must be true. Like I think <laughs> if you're out on a hunt, right, your job is to hunt for deer, and you find a deer, and you're like, I'm not gonna hunt it. I'm gonna bring it back to my tent. Oh, she's just magically a woman now. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is the thing, because his dogs wouldn't kill this deer. So he's like, oh, there's something pretty special about this deer. So he brings her back <laughs> and then he like leaves her in a room somewhere and then goes like on a big feast. So when he goes back to this this little room where she's left, he's probably pretty twisted. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, but yeah, apparently she, she's only in the guise of a deer when, when she's around or a guise of a woman when she's around him. The rest of the time, though, she's a deer. So they don't get to see what a beautiful woman she is. Uh, but he does marry her. She gets pregnant. Uh, but she's taken away. And that is kind of the end of her, really. You Sometimes this happens in Irish mythology. It's like, there was a woman, she was gone. What happened? I don't know. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of what happened to Sive. Like, there's, there's lots of different theories as to where she went. But she she had a son, apparently, which Finn McCool found in the woods and just went, oh, this boy has the same colour eyes as her, so it must be my son. And raises him as his own. So wait, so Sive like went into the forest while she was pregnant, ran away, and then... Well, she got taken away by, oh. by the man who turned her into a deer. Um, and they couldn't find her. Travelled all across. By the way, this is the thing. He travelled all across the country searching for her. Um, scoured every nook and cranny all around the coast. But he gave up after seven years. 
like just went oh well <laughs> move on um i'm just gonna take this random child y- out of yeah. the woods and claim it as my own pretty much yeah which is <laughs> questionable at best <laughs> but he was pretty good to the kid in fairness to him um though that said that kid did leg it at the first possible opportunity i went to tear in an oak for 300 years yeah, I think if I were kidnapped out of the woods by some, like, crazy dude, even if he was, like, treating me good, I, I think, I, yeah, I would probably run away, too. Imagine that now. You'd be like, oh, it's a woman on a white horse. I couldn't resist her. to just, you know, go forever. See ya. <laughs> yeah. um, but the thing with our talk was basically coming up with the idea of you heroes, better heroes, because uh, there's a few heroes of mine in Irish mythology, uh, namely Queen Maeve. And yes, she yeah. sounded like such a badass. She's incredible. She's such a hero. Uh, so she was the, the Queen of Connacht for 60 years, apparently. Um, one of the first female monarchs in that region. Um, and she was just great. And, and like my family, they're all from Galway. So I have that sort of, I feel a bit of a, a tie to her, you know, being from mm. Connacht. But she was incredible. She had four different husbands. And it was said that she never had one man without another man in his shadow. So she always had someone on the go uh and her thing was that she wouldn't marry someone unless they wouldn't they weren't stingy gits uh they wouldn't be jealous and they had no fear because her thing was she was like i'm so brave and brilliant on the battlefield why would i go out with someone who isn't i think these are reasonable requests yeah like like if i were on okay cupid and i were queen mave those would be kind of hard line you need to be these things completely i deleted my okay cupid because it made me sad (laughs) but (laughs) jenny was just like i know um you should just fill it out as queen mave i'm gonna set it on up again but i'm just gonna use queen mave parameters for a husband yeah it's gonna be great or four husbands four husbands yeah (laughs) um so the last one uh allele so that's kind of her best known husband uh he was her toy boy so she actually met him when he was quite young he arrived at 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 the where where she lived in connacht at rathcrogan uh when he was like a child so when he got a bit older and came of age she she married him and would that be like typical in irish mythology because i know in a lot of literature like from modern times all the way back um it's more common to see older guys with younger women yeah unfortunately that is quite a common trope in irish mythology as well Mm. um there's there's various different stories where a woman has been promised to a man like in the pursuit of Deirdre and Gronya Gronya is a beautiful princess uh, and she's betrothed to Finn McCool in his old age she's no interest in him whatsoever she actually tries to run off with his son at one point and he, he's like you're gonna be my stepmom no thanks uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but she actually she goes off with someone else so it was it was quite a common thing that you would uh, exchange women and mm. it's so Queen Maeve is such an incredible antidote to all of that um, another fun fact about Finn McCool he actually gave away his daughter to the man who killed his father what yeah I, I, I should have put that is that a in. cool fact or just like uh, that is like do you know what if I'd done that at my head stuff lecture to prove what a prick he was I would I would have just been like okay case closed guys let's all go home yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so that's what I really like about Queen Maeve. She's just, I just feel like she's always sticking two fingers up to all the norms that would have been there in ancient Ireland. Even today, she's kind of sticking two fingers up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, her husband was much younger than her. And she there's a very famous story called the Cattle Raider Cooley. And basically, 
her and her husband, the story starts, it's, it's all pillow talk and they're in bed and she's like, oh, you're so brave, but I've killed 10 times as many men as you have. <laughs> and he's like, you're so beautiful, but I could have any woman in the country I wanted. And this is going back and forth. It's really competitive, like passive aggressive flirting. It's quite incredible. Um, but eventually she realizes he is richer her, richer than her by one cow. Oh. And it's actually a cow that was hers and strayed into his herd. So I'm like, technically, I think she wins. But anyway, she takes on the entire Ulster army to steal away this brown bull from a place called Cooley up in the north um, so that she will be equal to her husband. Like, she causes bloodshed and, like, destruction all across the country just to get this one cow. And then the cows end up killing each other. But she was equal to her husband for a time, so... So, it all balances out. <laughs> worth it. Totally <laughs> worth it. <laughs> But yeah, and she she like always ha- she was always having affairs as well, um, and Aaliyah is always kind of portrayed as sort of rolling his eyes and going, "Oh, that Maeve." Um, but when she when he does the same thing when he when she finds out he has an affair while she's been gone away for a year, mm. she actually gets one of her lovers to kill him, and then dumps him into all the army in Connacht and says, "Oh yeah, it was, it was him that killed your king, so get rid of him now as well." So she had oh the two God. of them killed off. Which I love. <laughs> <laughs> but like the irony of it as well. It's like, hello, lover. He cheated on me. Kill him. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, killed my husband. You gotta, hey, lads, kill him. Now. Proper crocodile tears. <laughs> been like, oh, he killed my beloved. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she's a cool lady. So tell me about um, some of Maeve's other husbands. Well, that's where it gets a bit grim. Because her first husband, uh, Conor McInnesa, was the king of Ulster. And uh, again, it was this thing where she was given to him uh, and he was very abusive, very nasty to her. And she managed actually to escape him. Uh, And the way it's phrased in in the text is she said she left him for pride of mind. Uh, And there's lots of evidence there where you look at it now from a modern perspective and it was like clearly very abusive and not pleasant and all. She had no interest in him. And she's infinitely better than him too. <laughs> uh, but she left him, but it's it's quite grim because when she's bathing in a lake one day, um he he it says it he violates her. Mm. Mm, so read into that what you will. Uh but she she then meets a new husband uh, and he the man who who first husband then goes back and kills him as well. And you're like, "Come on, man. How much do you want to ruin her life?" <laughs> Um, so yeah it starts off quite grim but that's the thing she always sort of seems to bounce back and get her revenge one way or another which is great yeah yeah Um, she also killed her own sister and then performed a cesarean on her dead body that's a bit of over (laughs) overkill (laughs) Mm, yeah yeah it's she just apparently plunged a sword into the side of her and then out pops the baby. You're like, I don't think that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of, it reminds me a lot of like Donald Trump's understanding of like how women's bodies work. <laughs> but the thing with Conor McNesser is what, because he's another one that's a real prick in, in Irish mythology. Um, there's a story about Deirdre of the Sorrows where she's married off to him. She's incredibly miserable with him. And when he asks her, you know, what? who do you hate most in the world? She says, I hate you and I hate the man who killed my the man I really loved. 
And he goes, oh, is that so? Uh, well, you can go spend the next year with him then instead because he's so sick of her not being the pleasant, obedient wife. Mm. Um, so he, he sends her off to, to this other guy, Owen. Uh, but in revenge, she throws herself off the side of a chariot and dashes her head against a rock. And it's like sometimes in Irish mythology, that's the only way a woman can get her revenge, which is yeah. really grim. Yeah. But it's, it's very powerful as well. But like I said, the thing with Conor McNessa, he is he is a bellend. Um, but there's a very interesting uh, initiation initiation ceremony that um, the kings of Ulster had to go through. Um, so before they became king, they had to have sex with a white horse. Uh, then kill it and cut it up into little cubes, make a delicious soup out of it, then hop into that soup, have a little bath, and then when they'd all cleaned up, lovely and soupy, they'd sit around with all the warriors and eat the soup. That is terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, as you're going through the list of things, you're like, I don't... Just as you think it can't get worse, it gets worse. Who was... Okay, because I'm American, <laughs> if, you, if you couldn't tell by the accent. Who was coming up with this? I know. I know. I, and, it, like, did it start with, oh, you have to have sex with a horse? Oh, yeah. it has to be a white horse. And then at what point, like, surely that's a joke that got out of hand. You know, like, fool's errands that yeah. you get in the beginning of jobs. Is it something like that? They were like, oh, every king does this. Yeah, he gets in it and has a bath. And they're all, like, nudging each other. Who's <laughs> getting in? <laughs> So I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know why, what that represents or what it symbolizes. Because it's just, it's so off the wall. And like, just as we're recording this, like this week, and Kenny came out talking about how we need to have a national conversation about porn and how that's like corrupting (laughs) our youth and like the the damaging effects that this has like on society. But like (laughs) these stories are far worse. Yeah. And like, and this is what we're holding up as like our national mythological heroes. Yeah. Well, even with kings, you know how now you would see people curtsy or they'd bow or something like that. In ancient Ireland, you would suck the nipple of a king. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I read that. Which I love because apparently one of the bog bodies over in the National Museum, it's nipples are quite stretched out. Yeah. And they like reckon they were, he like, must chewed on. <laughs> <laughs> Which they reckon he must have been quite high status. Yeah. Um, and I once seen a monkey in the zoo that had a really long, stretchy nipple, but I don't know why that was. But <laughs> <laughs> I think about it often. It was just one of them as well. Um, but yeah, it's again, I don't know where that comes from. But. Mm. I suppose like it is one of the the more ultimate ways that you can kind of show your submission to someone because if you think about it in the sense of like breastfeeding you acknowledge that this person is like the caretaker of Mm. your village or your people yeah that they're they they the caregiver and you get all your nourishment from them yeah 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 yeah. so i sort of like it makes more sense than fucking a horse and then turning it into soup and then jumping in the soup. I think most things make more sense than fucking a horse and making a soup of it. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about more badass Irish ladies. Cool. Uh, Another one is Bridget. Most Irish people have grown up in national school, 1st of February, making the little crosses, St. Bridget's crosses out of the rushes. Uh, And 
even though she's a saint, she's actually really cool. So I always refer to her just as Bridget. I leave out the saint bit because I'm like, it was actually thought she was a priestess of the goddess Bridget um, and that she converted to Christianity. Um, but there's lots of theories then that she's the Im- human embodiment of the mm. original goddess Bridget, who was the goddess of fertility. Uh, and she's basically the the goddess that was said to make the world happen. She went, hey, gods, this is, place is really cool. Let's make a thing. And they were so, like, oh, okay, we'll try it. So when did Bridget live? So she was born in 450 AD. Okay. And uh, she was actually, she was born in Connacht as well. Another Connacht lady. Uh, but she's very much associated with Kildare now. Um, and like there's loads of stories that she's very famous for, like to do with churches and the crosses and saving cattle and that kind of thing. And they've kind of buried some of her really kick-ass stories. Uh, so when she originally took the vow of chastity and she said, you know, I'm going to stay a virgin forever her brothers and everybody around her made so much fun of her and they were said because she was very she was said to be very beautiful mm. um and there was people then who made fun of her and there was one man who even said oh sure what you see are beautiful eyes if they're not looking across me at the, uh, across the pillow at night time and she was like oh beautiful eyes is it and she just rips it out of her head <laughs> and it's like i like the idea of it just hanging down there and him running off screaming <laughs> Um, but then she makes his eyes burst in his head. Yes. Yeah, which I love. Oh, if I had that skill every time you had to deal with someone like being a total misogynist, <laughs> there would be blood scattered everywhere. That would be like my <laughs> X-Men power. Oh my God, could you imagine? I would read that comic book. It's like the opposite of Cyclops. Like, <laughs> <laughs> instead of shooting lasers. <laughs> It would be incredible. Imagine imagine if you could do it through Twitter as well. You would just have <laughs> such a great time. <laughs> like, no more Twitter for you. Um, but yeah, that, that's one of my favorite things about it. And then she was able to heal her own eye. So it was grand. Just pop uh, it back in. That was literally it. Like she Beetlejuice. Just... Like Gina Davis <laughs> and Beetlejuice. But I just love the idea of all our family being like, ah, oh, Bridget, fuck's sake. Like. <laughs> Not again. Um, and she's also... It said that she performed, and this is this is one of these things that's argued, but it's quite clear what she did. So she performed the first abortion in uh, in in Ireland, uh, and what happened was a nun came to her and said, "I've broken my vow of chastity," mm. and they both knew she'd be really severely punished if it was found out. Uh, so Bridget did some magical spells and made the baby disappear completely painlessly. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She didn't have to book a Ryanair flight or nothing, uh, (laughs) which is great uh, and how it should be. But um, yeah, so so that was the first kind of thing she did. And again, that's one of those things that's quite buried. You have to really go look into these things. And was that one of the the miracles that she performed to become a saint? I'm imagining the Vatican left that bit out. Yeah, how interesting (laughs) would that be? I must find out, actually. Because you, you do have to have like a list of... It's pretty miraculous just making the baby go away. Yeah. But then they'd be like, mm, the baby went away. That's pretty cool. But also, should she have made... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and this is the thing I found out today. She invented the first rape whistle. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> what a queen. <laughs> so what was what was rape whistle made out of? back in the oldie times it doesn't specify but basically there was this thing of um one king decreed that 
rape would be removed from the list of pardonable offences mm. because he was worried there'd be some sort of leniency shown to someone convicted of it. Um, but he also had this, which seems really right on and really cool. Pretty forward he, thinking. Yeah, yeah. And then it has this caveat then, which is like, oh, but if she gets pregnant, then it means she must have been compliant. And you're mm. like, oh, wah, wah. mate. <laughs> uh, so Bridget is like, Right, well, that's not cool. So what I'm going to do is invent a way that if a woman does put up a fight and she, she, she will be heard and it will be known that she, she fought the person off and that she was being attacked. Uh, so that's how she invented these rape whistles. That's amazing. And yeah, 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 yeah. And what, like, it's just such a cool thing. She had a lesbian lover. Oh, did she? Yeah. Okay, let's hear about her. So... She worked, obviously, in a, I don't know, what do they call it? Like a, what's the word? For a, nun- a nunnery. <laughs> <laughs> nunnery. A convent. convent. Yeah. I wouldn't mind. I went to a convent school. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, there used to actually be a sign up saying, please do not enter the enclosure, which always reminded me of the zoo. Um is anyway. that what they call the, like, where the nuns live? Yeah, the, the living quarters. Yeah, the enclosure. <laughs> Do they call that, is that what it's called for priests as well? Or is it like just non-specifically? I imagine some priests, yeah. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. But they used to always have a fight over the TV guides in, in, in the convent school I went to. They would batter each other over TV guides. I don't know what it was about the TV guides. But anyway, um, uh, but yeah, so she, she lived in this in this convent. And so obviously she would be teaching other trainee nuns about all the duties and that kind of thing uh, but she sort of took one under her wing a younger student and it was said that she would sleep with her mm. um, and that it would lie with her so yeah and apparently they, they were so in love that when Bridget died she died exactly one year afterwards so they share a feast day um, which is very adorable it's quite sweet together That's forever funny. I read a story recently about um, two former nuns who left the church specifically so that they could get married <gasps> like they fell in love in the church and they wanted to be married before they died I think it was in Italy that Italy or France adorable. yeah, oh. yeah. It, it made my heart go all pumpity <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like the beginnings of a Judy Bloom novel I that know. you would read where they'd be like having their little chats in secret. <laughs> oh, I'd love that. Sending each other little notes. Yeah. Little winks across the mass. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Any more cool Irish ladies? There's Gronya Whale. Uh, she was like a pirate queen uh, again in Connacht. Um, I actually don't have a bias. It's just <laughs> that happens to be where they're all from. <laughs> Not all of them, but the majority seem to be from there. Um and she she was she was great. Um, she ruled over the seas. And when she was a child, she was told she couldn't go out to sea with her father. So she cut off all her hair. And that's <laughs> yeah, that's where she gets her name from. So when you translate Gronya Whale, it means bald Gronya or oh, bald Jenny. Grace. Yeah. Um, but she apparently held court with Elizabeth the first to get her brothers freed from prison. Um, yeah. So she she was the, an incredible negotiator, and she was very hardworking and she shunned again the idea of how a woman should be and how a woman should act in society um and when she she took on she got married to a clan actually their old castle is from where i'm from it's a place called renvile it's a beautiful car, ruin of a castle looking over the sea 
Um, but yeah, they, they stormed that and she ruled there. But and then when he died, she was sort of so sad about it. She went back to her home place and took over there instead. Mm. Um, but yeah, she's a cool character. But I couldn't find any like sexy stories about her. Yeah, mm. I, I think that's a that's a good enough story anyway. Just like being a badass pirate, pirate yeah. pirating around and like cutting off your hair and like go hanging out <laughs> with like Queen Liz. Yeah, because apparently she turned up to to Queen Elizabeth's court in just her what her casual wear. Do you know what I mean? Like whatever she'd wear going out to sea. Yeah. And everyone else there was horrified by this war- this mad old hag in rags, and she was <laughs> effing and blinding all around her. And and Queen Elizabeth was apparently quite taken with how refreshingly honest she was. Yeah. Um, well, I suppose like given like her position and where like she came from and um you know nobody like everybody was saying like a woman can't be queen and here she is like ruling England and all that it must yeah it must be refreshing from her perspective to see a woman on that kind of almost on a peer like peer like speaking as a peer yeah yeah and to meet another woman who's powerful and shuns all these expectations and societal pressure and yeah and if you read the children's versions of the stories, they boil it down to they both had red hair. You're like, I think it was a bit more complex than that, guys. <laughs> and, the, and the story is like so much better than yeah. they both had red hair. Oh my god, <laughs> it just makes me cringe so much. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like we said earlier on, these ch- like the children's versions of these stories, they really play up this idea of women being very coy and very quiet and not really in charge of their own destiny so like I mentioned Deirdre of the Sorrows yeah it's a horrible ending and it's horrible that was her only way out Mm. but it was very powerful and she took charge of her own destiny and she took she took whatever way she could and she fought her she put up with so much yeah um but in the book it kind of plays her out to be a bit I don't want to say pathetic because that sounds really horrible but they they make her out to be quite meek and timid and the pitiful. Yeah, and you're just going ah oh, the poor love really. When really she was she was very strong character. It took great will and great perseverance to stick it out. Um, and even like when she's growing up as see she grows up on this island because it's destined she'll be so beautiful and she'll cause bloodshed across all, across all of Ulster. Uh, so even when she's growing up. She's very intelligent. She she learns all these different things. She trains beside this old wise woman. Uh, but then in the children's books, again, it's like, oh, she just frolicked about the flowers and sang with the birds all day. You're like, no, she was she was doing much more than that. <laughs> <laughs> but she has a lot of dreams about a, a man um, called Nisha. And yeah, she, she dreams about him constantly. Right, that's quite cool that she has this sort of sexual lust and desire and they don't hide it away too much in the original stories anyway. Mm. So yeah, that's cool. But it, they address it and they go, yeah, women feel this stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> if you had a daughter, what would you, like, and you wanted to give her an Irish name, what Irish name do you think you would want to give her? I think Maeve, yeah. without a doubt. Just because she is, because her name as well, it means um, the one who intoxicates or one who gets men drunk. And maybe that's not a good name to name my child, but <laughs> at the same time. It's a pretty powerful <laughs> name. I quite like the idea of expelling that, like, my baby can make men drunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think I think Maeve. Maeve, for sure. What would I call a boy? 
I think there's the one really sound person in Irish mythology is the god of the sea, Manon McClear. Um, because even when his wife runs off with Coo Cullen, when she comes back, he's like, I'm a bit pissed off you did that, but let's forget about it and move on. Aww. And he shakes his magic cloak so that they'll never meet again. Um, and he also fosters loads of children. But also the name Manon is a bit strange. It is a bit strange, but it's. I think it's nice. There's a nice... Um I like the vowels in it. Yeah. <laughs> good, there's some good vowels in that name. It would always sound like you were mumbling your child's name, though. That's my worry. How do you say uh, This is embarrassing. It's spelled really strangely. It's spelled M-A-N-A-N-N-A-N. Like banana. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those that, that you're writing it, and you keep finding yourself writing A's and N's, and you're like, oh, this Manan- is now 30 Manan- characters long. This is wrong. So what is it? Mananan? Manan McClear. Manan. I find it's easier if you put in the McClear at the end, okay. which basically means Manan, son of the sea. Yeah. But it is. For some reason, it's easier. I don't... Irish is so hard. <laughs> and I'm probably even... Like, there'll be people who are even listening to this because it, I, like, Irish is pronounced different ways in all parts of the country. So there'll probably be some people who listen to this and go, she's mankling that. And I'm like, yeah, I probably am. But I'm yeah. probably right somewhere as well. So more Irish mythology. So the way it's taught in schools, it seems to be very reductive. What, like, and... What stories would you like to see? I know you like you talked about like Bridget and, and Maeve and stuff, but like, were, are there any more stories that you would like to see kind of expanded upon for children to to understand that women aren't so dimin- diminutive? Yeah, I think because there's a huge focus on the mythology, so these are the gods and the warriors. Mm. Whereas in the folklore, then you're getting many more characters and a lot more women. So there's the wise women who have all these cures and and remedies and knowledge of, of the other world. Uh, and they're really highly regarded in Irish society. But again, it's it's not something you never hear the stories of them. Um, there's also the, the hag or the Kaliuk, which is like our version of the witch. Mm. And they're always basically in all of those stories, some upstart wanders into the woods and he's all like cock of the north and she just rips into shreds, like tears her apart. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, so that's what I want to see more of. Um, but yeah, in the folklore, there's lots of lots of great women. And then there's also, there's this amazing story that I love, but it's really dark and it's quite, again, quite sad uh, about a creature called the Merrow. And the story is called the uh, Lady of Golorous. Mm. So the Merrow is our version of the mermaid, essentially. Um, but she meets this man and he hides away this little hat that she needs to wear to get onto the sea. Um, so he hides the hat and she has to stay with him because she can't return to the sea. So she has to have somewhere to live. And the years are passing by. And in some versions of the story, she has children with him. Um, but eventually she finds this little hat tucked away in the roof of the house. And as soon as she has it, she pegs it back to the sea, um, takes the children with her as well and jumps off into the waves. And the, the story always ends with her looking back at him with like her eyes full of hatred and loathing mm. and contempt and he's just left there on the shore with nothing and it's like the best comeuppance for all these lies like years of lies yeah. and, and like keeping her hostage the hat was up in the attic the entire yeah, time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's it's a grim story but it's quite a beautiful story as well um, 
but there's different versions where oh your man was actually sound but he just didn't make a very good decision and he loved her so much that's why he hid it away from her and then there's other versions where he's out and out like he sees her and makes a point of stealing it and hiding it um so again it's just that's the thing with irish stories there's so many variations mm. uh, but yet the folk tales there's lots more women who are very powerful um so it, they don't get covered really in schools. Like even, so two of my sisters, um, they've gone through Irish national and secondary school, but they don't know any of the stories, which I find crazy, especially like one of them knows more about like Greek and Roman mythology than she does about our own. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. But Yeah, I really wish I had learned, because I, I find it like so fascinating. And like when I was in high school, we only learned about like Greek and Roman mythology. Like that was that was the only, as far as I was concerned, that was the only mythology that really existed. Yeah, totally. And again, it's that thing. It's only since I started, you know, doing the job that I'm doing, um, that I go, oh, everywhere has this. Like every country has these weird folk tales. Even like urban legends. Technically, they're folk tales. They're just very modern versions. Yeah. Um, but you know. But that's the thing. I, I suppose the idea of folk tales, when people hear that word, it, it's not the coolest. It doesn't exactly set your heart racing sometimes. <laughs> I mean, for me, I love that stuff. But other yeah. people, they're like, oh, mm, no, you're grand. Thank you. <laughs> um, but once you get into stories, they're great. But no, the stories, I don't know why the Greek and Roman stuff is so, like, why it's the main thing, why it's the only thing people look at. Like, do you know much about American folklore? Um... Bits and bobs along the way. Um, I know we were taught about like Babe the Blue Ox, things like that. Okay. Um, and it was a lot of um, like more kind of modern legends and myths about, um, we'd, we'd call them like tall tales. Okay. Um, about like pioneers who kind of went out west to to settle the land and if you kind of take a deeper look at it it's more about like killing native americans wow (laughs) um but yeah like um babe the blue ox and johnny appleseed would i think would be like our our big one are they anyway sexy at all is there any raunchy no 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 no. johnny appleseed was basically a guy who had a bag full of apple seeds and he went to like go plant apple trees across like the whole of the united states um (laughs) (laughs) who knows what he got to up to in his adventures yeah and like babe the blue ox was it was a giant blue ox i i don't i don't remember if I, I like I can't remember if Babe the Blue Ox did anything of no other than being blue and uh <laughs> and and giant. <laughs> I think he was just there. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. But like I, I guess like and like where I'm from, Seattle, a lot of um a lot of the tales that we were told would have been Native American mm-hmm. um sort of, sort of like folklore and stuff. Um about ravens and orcas and all that. But in Appalachia, so like kind of the the eastern mountains of the United States, like they have way more folklore and like folk tales. Oh wow. Um than we do. Okay. Yeah. But I, unfortunately I don't I don't really know <laughs> No, that's okay. But yeah. do you know what? Like even so say when I'm doing tours to people, like you do actually it's about thirty, thirty five percent Irish people that come in. Um and you'll be amazed where you're kind of going, oh, do you know anything about fairy hills or anything like that? And they'll go, and they'll always look really sheepish and go, 
no. And it's like they're going to go, I know I should remember these stories and I know I should know a little bit more about our heritage, but I don't and I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, that's the thing of it. They are dying out, you know. Yeah. Um, the fairy, the fairy folklore, I tried to find, so when I knew I was doing this podcast, I tried to find some of the sort of raunchier stuff there, but there isn't really much of them. It seems to be confined mostly to the, to the mythology side of things. Mm. Um, oh, I did hear an interesting fairy, like a fairy story um, a couple of weeks ago. I was um, telling someone that I was going to do a podcast about like Irish mythology. And he was saying that the town that he is from in Tipperary or Cork, was it Clonmel maybe? Might have been Clonmel. Um, was home to the last woman who was like burned alive oh Bridget Cleary yes 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 oh this story is horrible isn't it horrific like they threw piss on her they burnt her they uh but it was her husband that did it wasn't it or were there more people involved so what happened was um so this was in 1895 so not that long ago and they thought she was a changeling because she was like modern yeah because oh and she also was too friendly with the neighbor mm. um and she was she was newly wed uh, but she took sick and and you know when you're sick you're really cranky and you just want someone to be nice to you and bring you soup and he took this as a sign that she had been exchanged for some fairy being and she was in her his beautiful wife was in the other world and this monster was some fairy being that he needed to get rid of this horrible um, sick woman who kept her own chickens yeah and who dared to have conversations with men oh. <laughs> um and he kind of convinced pretty much everybody in the village like the priest and everything came around and they were saying all these prayers over her and see one of the things with the fairies the one of the protections against the fairies was to use uh feet water so water you washed your feet in or piss uh they really don't like dirt um and it's also quite nice because it's free and readily available um so yeah they used to throw buckets of piss at this woman like who was sick in the bed and, and eventually culminated with her being burnt to death yeah um and the whole village was perfectly like, yeah, that was the thing to do to get rid of a changeling. Yeah, that's what you got to do because they'll only bring us all bad luck. Um, and that's what I like. That's what I'm really bad at maths. But like 120 years ago. Yeah. So not like really not that long ago. No, no it's um, frightening. But even like now, like when I got my Irish citizenship three years ago oh my god it's been three years since I got my Irish citizenship um the day that I got my citizenship I I went and did my ceremony and then my boyfriend took me to the hill of Tara (laughs) so we could have like a Lion King moment where he was like all of this is yours now that Um, is so good I know (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't have asked for a better day it was so good um so we were up there just like having a wander about and I'd never been there before so I was I'd just thought that this was like amazing um but the gift shop has like loads of like angel and like fairy merchandise but there's also there's like a fairy tree there where people will like yeah. give offerings there's a lot of like babies baby doties yeah sometimes it's a bit grim because this is again one of these things they don't tell you and again in the museum i tend not to tell people because it makes them a bit sad um but it's become a in more modern times it, it's sort of evolved into something different so originally you do it to get good wishes from the fairies and basically sort of the whole thing was if you show them kindness and respect they do the same for you mm. but it has evolved now in more recent times that if you have someone who's sick in the family 
that you put a piece of their clothing. So say if you have a sore knee, you'll take a trouser leg and you'll tie that on the tree. Okay. Whereas if it's a sick child, you'll take a whole dress or a, or a baby grow or something and you tie that on the tree. Oh. So when you see all the little baby clothes on the tree, you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. But apparently as soon as that item of clothing falls off the tree, they'll be cured. Um, but that's that's where it originates from. But I quite like seeing them. I mean, as, as sad as it is that there's people who are sick or ill or whatever, it's lovely to see the tradition still there and mm. a little bit of belief. I think it's quite nice. Um, but Hilatar is a great place. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. Yeah. I um, I went up there sometime. It was it was, so, yeah, was frigging cold, so it was like in the winter. But to, we went to go see the Northern Lights. <gasps> um, because, I love the Northern Lights. Oh my gosh. On Twitter, there's a Twitter account called Aurora Watch, I think it is. <gasps> and they'll let you know if like you can see the aurora borealis oh and like how far south you can see it from i went so to iceland last month to go oh, see it was good. oh so good it was like i was like this is really embarrassing but i was like nearly crying because i went it's just so amazing and it was on my <laughs> own and there was this japanese woman sat beside me and then the tour guide she's like pointing out the window going look it's starting she's kicking off her man and I'm looking at it, it's like, your brain just can't comprehend it because like, I'd have seen all the pictures and I wanted to see it for years. But seeing it move and the colours are so different, it's just kind of overwhelming. And I'm like, nudging this woman, I'm like, look, look, she hasn't a word of English. She just sees this mad woman, like, <laughs> eyes tearing up, going, look out the window. <laughs> <laughs> but it's incredible it's beautiful so have you seen from the Hill of Tara I, I didn't actually because we drove all the way like we saw it on Twitter and we're like there's going to be too much light pollution in Dublin better get in the car and like we like this was like on a school night like we both had to be to well I work from home but like he he had to be to work in the morning and it was like 10 o'clock at night we're like right get in the car we're driving to Meath um, and there was still too much noise pollution which was oh, a pity that's a but shame. we were we were like tromping around the hill of Tara like in the pitch black and I <laughs> because it's like all bumpy yeah. I was like falling over myself in the freezing cold but it was it was fun like yeah. despite not being able to, to see it you should go to its sister site uh, the hill of Ishnuk, which is so apparently there used to be tunnels linking the hill of Tara and the hill of Ishnuk. so um Tara was the sort of political centre of ancient Ireland. The Hill of Ishnuk then was the more ceremonial place. Um, and it's the home of the divine feminine in ancient Ireland. So when you go there, there's the Stone of Divisions, mm. which is apparently where the goddess Eru is buried. So sort of Mother Earth, basically, in, in Irish god mythology. Um, and underneath, at the very, so it's like, a, it's just basically a big pile of stones. And it's huge. It looks really cool. Underneath, there's a little tunnel and you can crawl under it. And apparently it's like a, rebirthing so you go through oh, the birth cool. canal of mother of mother nature and you're reborn again and you get a load of nettles in your face and covered in dirt but it's still pretty cool and I don't believe in all that stuff I quite like it and I enjoy it but I'd be very skeptical about all those things but you do go through it and you're like this is a pretty powerful this is pretty cool yeah so it's a good spot and there's the guys that do the tours up there they're very respectful of the idea that, that this is the home of the divine feminine and they won't walk into any space without letting a woman go first because it's said to be very disrespectful for a man to go. You're like, I quite like that. It's nice. Yeah, I don't really believe that stuff either, but I really love the idea of bringing back certain pagan traditions because I feel like it's much more... Um, has much more of a feminine focus or there's more yeah. there's more egalitarian it's the balance of it yeah yeah everything is kind of offset by something else so even in in pagan Ireland there's so we're actually coming up to like we're recording this Halloween week 
uh, and that comes from the Irish Festival of Samhain. Uh, so that was the beginning of the dark half of the year. And then in May, you've got another festival, which is the beginning of the light half of the year. So that's quite, an, or at Lunasa. Um, and that's quite nice that you have this sort of balance, everything. It's like the yin and yang thing, um, which is really nice. And the same for men and women. For every god, there's a goddess. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. Speaking of other women in our folklore, and like the wise women in that, there's a, and you know how you were saying about Bridget Cleary? Yeah. There's another woman then in from Kilkenny and called Alice Kittler. She's a very famous kind of figure in Kilkenny, but they thought she was a witch. And do you know why? Why? Because she married three men. Oh my God. <gasps> I know. Clearly What a, a menace. <laughs> there is, um, there's, so there's one, um, like the one Irish mythological, like, person that I I know a little bit about um because a friend of mine wanted to name her daughter after her is the Morgan like the oh, sea yeah. hag person yeah um and I yeah that's all I know about her is like she was like a vicious sea hag that like sent men to their to their watery death yeah yeah uh she's sort of the goddess of death generally and she could take the form of a crow as well Okay. Uh, so when Cucullan died, he actually got himself tied to a stone because he wanted to be standing up facing his enemies while he died because he's always got a show off, Cucullan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so she she was circling around him and was like pecking at him as he was dying slowly and painfully as a last sort of like, fuck you, Cucullan. <laughs> <laughs> Which I quite like. I, there's a pettiness of it is what I like. <laughs> Yeah. I also love that it's like the Morgan, not just Morgan. Yeah. Oh, I love, I would love if she called her child the Morgan. I think, I think that was the plan. <laughs> She's like, my child will have a the at the beginning of her name. <laughs> I've never heard anyone have that. That should be a thing. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's time. Thank you so much for, for coming along and like sharing Irish mythology. I know it wasn't like all sexy, but in fairness, like it was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Okay. So um, what, what What's your Twitter account? Because you're very good at the old Twitter. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm at so robotics. So S O R O B O T I C. Because if, some people don't realise it's so robotic, and they say the most mangled pronunciations of it. I have to say, the first time I saw it, I was like Sabra. <laughs> 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 and then I got it, and I felt like the smartest person on the planet. <laughs> yeah. See, there's payoff. <laughs> oh, I keep thinking I should change it to my name, but oh, I don't know. It's me again. I just wanted to um, jump in here at the end and thank Teresa Coyne for, for coming out and talking to us all about sexy Irish mythology. Um, I also want to thank Alan Bennett, my producer, um, Sheena Flynn, who did the artwork, and Shane O'Sullivan, who did the music. If you guys like this podcast or any of the other podcasts, or if you really like the articles on headstuff.org, we would really love it if you could um, donate to our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash headstuff. All the money that you donate um, monthly goes to all of our contributors. Um, so, so please donate if you can. Um, on the 7th of December, we have Headstuff Lectures. I, I'm really sorry for like harping on about this, but Headstuff Lectures are amazing. Amazing. Um, it's a really great way for everybody to like come out and socialize and have a few drinks and like learn about stuff. And this upcoming one on the 7th of December, we have Colm O'Gorman from 
Amnesty International. Um, amazing public speaker. I'm such a big fan. Um, he's just a local hero of mine. Um, so really looking forward to that and hopefully see you there. And finally, if you're doing some online shopping this year for Christmas, might I suggest buying yourself or your partner some sex toys from sexshopa.ie. All of the products that I stock are made from body safe materials are, and are exceptionally and lovingly designed. That's sexshopa.ie. S-E-X-S-I-O-P-A dot I-E. Thanks so much for tuning in to Our Sexual History. Please subscribe, rate, and comment to bring us up in the iTunes rankings. You can also find us anywhere else you get your podcasts, and we are now available on Spotify as well. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll be back at you next month. HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details.